Thank you, Eric. We need to be seeking God, seeking the Lord Jesus Christ, because he sure did love us and do a lot for us. Well, Easter is next week. Uh, it's it's springtime. It's, it's a time of new beginnings. It's an opportunity for us to make a new start. How many of you like to make a new start? You like to get a new notebook with clean pages and, and, and be ready to just get going, so to speak. I think that, that as, as we think about the Christian life, we're supposed to walk in newness of life. And it's a process. It's a situation where God's faithfulness is new every morning, and we need to be faithful as well. We've been talking about the behavior of a disciple. A disciple follows Jesus. Matthew 4.19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Aren't we supposed to be following Jesus Christ? Becoming more like him, learning his word, doing what he wants us to do. And of course, if we're following Jesus Christ as relationship, the results will be transformation and impact. I will make you fishers of men. So a disciple follows Jesus. A disciple believes, of course, if we don't believe in Jesus Christ, we're not Christians, we're not disciples. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. Without faith, we cannot please him. A disciple abides in his word. That's what it says in John chapter 8. And as we spend time in God's word, he transforms us by the renewing of our minds. A disciple loves. In John 13, it talks about the fact that we should love one another. In fact, just like Jesus loved, we should love. A disciple bears much fruit. John 15, verse number 8 talks about the fact that we bear much fruit, we will be his disciples, and he will be glorified. You know, in a, in a sense, as you look at these, these are things that Jesus did. He didn't follow himself, but he followed his father. He believed in his father. He abided in his word. He loved. He bore much fruit. The last one is this. We're going to talk about this today. A true disciple, a genuine disciple, fishes for men. We've already mentioned Matthew 4.19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And that's exactly what we need to do is to fish for men. Now I know some people that have been fishing a little bit this spring and enjoying it very much and I think fishing is a great thing to do, fishing for fish. But even more important than fishing for fish is fishing for men. Sharing with others what Jesus Christ has done for us. Helping them to know Jesus Christ in a personal way. Even when we partake in the Lord's Supper, in a sense, we're fishing for men. First Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 26, it says, As often as you drink this bread and drink this cup, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So we are partaking in the Lord's Supper today. We are proclaiming that Jesus died for us, was buried, rose again, so that we might have forgiveness and everlasting life. Let's read First Corinthians 11. 23 to 29. 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at this portion of Scripture and as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we pray that we will remember what you've done, but we'll also realize that we need to be sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that you will transform us by the renewing of our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Three words that start with P. The first one is ponder. Of course, that means that we need to really think about it. And, and I think that as, as we look at Scripture, there are some things that we need to focus on more than we do, perhaps. Because we, we have a tendency to go through life just quickly doing this and doing that, living our life, being distracted by a lot of things, and don't take much time to think about things which are extremely important. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three and following. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. This was part of the Passover celebration, which the Jews did every year. It looked back to the Passover when the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt. And they had a Passover supper. They had bread and they had the cup. So this is looking back to them. But the Passover was looking ahead to the time when Jesus, with the Lamb of God, would give his life to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could have everlasting life. So he took the bread, verse number 24, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus' body was broken. When you think about what Jesus went through on the cross, is it not amazing? Uh, the, the Romans were, were experts in the area of torture. They really wanted made, to make people not just die, but to feel it while they were dying. In fact, with, with the crucifixion, they, they nailed their hands and their feet uh, to the cross. But that was not the worst of it. The worst of it was that as you're hanging there, pretty soon... You're, you're not able to hold yourself up and you're not able to breathe. Pretty soon the cramps and so on make it where you let down and you suffocate to death. That's how people that died on the cross normally die. It was a terrible thing. That's why they broke the legs of the two on each side of Jesus because no longer could they push up and catch a breath. Have you ever been in a situation where you were underwater too long while you were swimming or something of that nature? That's not a fun thing to go through. But when you died on a cross, then you die from suffocation. And there's great pain, there's great torture that is involved. Jesus' body was broken for us. And it goes on to talk about the fact that his blood was shed. In verse number 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. In other words, the Passover dinner, the, the bread ultimately looked forward to the time when Jesus would die on the cross. His body would be broken. His blood would be shed so that we can have forgiveness of sins. And I don't understand why God did it like he did. Uh, God is a lot smarter than I am. Many of you could say amen to that. And he, he decided that this was the way he wanted to do it. The sacrificial system in the Old Testament looked ahead to the time when Jesus, the Lamb of God, 
would die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, it says in Hebrews. And we need to recognize that this is something that Jesus and God instituted so that we can have forgiveness, so that we can have everlasting life. And as we ponder this, it's important to remember what Jesus did on the cross. Makes sense, does it not? Of course, we, we need to also respond. When, when we think about what Jesus did on the cross, we need to recognize uh, that he did it so that we could have forgiveness of sin, so that we could be saved. But it's not automatic. We don't believe in universalism. God's word does not teach universalism that everybody's going to heaven. Instead, we have a choice. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. But not only do we need to remember, we also need to rely on Jesus Christ to save us and give us everlasting life. I already quoted John 1.12. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. So as we not just remember, but as we rely on Jesus, as we receive him, as we believe on his name, we have everlasting life. I know we use John 3.16 a lot, but it's a great verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The context is that he died on the cross for our sins. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever does what? Believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the good news of the gospel. We need to ponder it. We need to remember what Jesus did for us. And then we need to rely on him for salvation. John 3.16 goes on to say, Something else. John chapter 3, verse number 16. Uh, verse number 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's why Jesus came, not for condemnation, but instead for salvation for each and every one who believes in him. Verse number 18. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. There's a contrast here. You believe, you're not condemned. You don't believe, you are condemned. Verse number 36 says this. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Now that's not fun to hear. For those in the world, they think God's a God of love and he's just going to save everybody and everybody's going to heaven. But the reality is, according to God's word, there's only one way that we can go to heaven. And that's by believing in, relying on, depending on Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. So as we ponder, we need to remember what Jesus did for us. But we need to take that step of relying on him. It's not just a matter of the intellect. That would be remember. It's a matter of of the will, choosing to rely on Jesus Christ to save us and to give us everlasting life. We also need to repent. Back at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 and following, it says, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, 
not discerning the Lord's body. That's a scary couple of verses there. Basically what it's saying is that, number one, we need to examine ourselves and make sure that we do know Jesus Christ as Savior. Because as we eat of the bread and drink of the the cup, we are basically saying Jesus died on the cross for my sins to pay the penalty for my sins, and I believe in him. So the first condition is that we know Jesus Christ as Savior. But I believe there's a second condition, and that condition is that we are seeking to live for God. Christianity should not just be a ticket to heaven. It should not be a situation where we walk an aisle or say a prayer, and it makes no difference in our lives. It says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 3, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. We're not talking about perfection, but we're talking about an individual who is saved and who is trying to live for God, that really wants to live for God. Those are the conditions. And as we ponder what Jesus did for us and the fact that we need to receive him as Savior and Lord, we need to ask ourselves, have we trusted him as Savior? And are we seeking to live for him? Repentance is basically recognizing we're going in the wrong direction and turning around and going in the right direction. And that's exactly what we need to do. If we don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, we should say yes to him. If we do know Jesus Christ for Savior and we're not living like we should, then we need to repent. We need to turn from our sin and seek to live for him. Again, I'm not talking about perfection. If we were talking about perfection, none of us could take the Lord's Supper. But instead, what we're talking about is someone who is seeking to trust Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord. So number one word that begins with a P is ponder. Don't we need to think about what Jesus did for us? Make sure we've trusted him as our Savior. Make sure that we are seeking to live for him. But not only do we need to ponder, we also need to proclaim. That's what it says in verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's what the Great Commission is all about. Proclaiming his death. Talking about what Jesus Christ did for us. If you will, take out your invite cards for just a minute. They should have been given to you. If you didn't get one, you can pick one up on the way out. If if you want to, you can pick up more. I think think we uh, made about 400 or so. On the front of the invite card, it says you're invited to join us Easter at Catawba. The sunrise service at 7, 1030 is the worship service. Uh, We didn't put Sunday school life groups, but people are, uh, of course, welcome to do that. And if you go to a Sunday school life group, might be a good thing to do is to invite them to join you there. For most people, the front door to the church, the first time they come, they come to a worship service. But it's just an invitation for them to come and see. And I believe that's a good invitation, that we need to invite people to come and see. But the other thing that we need to do, part of the Great Commission, is that we need to go and to tell. We need to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as you're thinking about who to invite, it could be people from work. It could be people at the ball field. It's a great opportunity when you're playing ball to talk to other parents and invite them to church or tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. It could be uh, people from school or whatever it might be. It could just be a neighbor, somebody that you see in a park. There are a lot of people out there that need Jesus Christ as Savior. So this is an opportunity to invite them to either come to church and see or to give them the gospel, to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what's on the the back. It's, It's just two sentences, real simple. 
But it's got the basics of the gospel here. Even though we are sinners and deserve to be separated from God, Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins and then rose again. If we believe in him, he gives us eternal life, changes us, and accomplishes his purpose through us. The last two things there, changes us and accomplishes his purpose through us, show that Christianity is not just a one-time invitation or a one-time prayer. Instead, it's a change of life. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. And he changes us and then he uses us to accomplish his purpose for his honor and for his glory. But the basic of the gospel is in basically sentence number one and the first part of sentence number two. Even though we're sinners and deserve to be separated from God. First verse at the bottom is Romans 3.23. Probably many of you know it. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's our problem. We're sinners. We don't measure up to God's standard. And because of that, we deserve to spend eternity separated from him in hell. The wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23, the first part of the verse. That's the bad news. That's man's problem. But the good news, God's answer is in the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's the only way we can get to heaven. And that's the good news. And if we believe in him, he gives us eternal life. He changes us and accomplishes his purpose through us. Romans 5.8 is a verse that goes along with that. God showed his love, he commended his love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The front of the card is an opportunity to invite someone to come to church, especially this Easter Sunday. The back is an opportunity for us to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And basically, as we're doing it, not a bad idea to, to expand a little bit. You can just give it to them, and maybe they can read it. But you could say something like, you know, as, as I look at the Bible, there's bad news and good news. The bad news, we are sinners, and we don't deserve to go to heaven. The good news is Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And if we believe in him, then we can go to heaven. We can have everlasting life. It's an opportunity for you to tell others about Jesus Christ. And who knows? They might be ready. God might have been working in their heart. And they pray and receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Wouldn't that be a great thing to happen? Great thing to do? Now I would encourage you to consider memorizing these verses. Romans 3.23, 6.23, Romans 5.8, and John 3.16. Just to make sure that you know the content. They might ask you questions that you don't know. And if they do that, then what I would suggest that you do is I suggest that you say, I don't know, but I can sure find out. And then come talk to one of the staff members, your Sunday school teacher, or, or, or check out the Bible and see what the Bible says. But think about this for just a minute. Wouldn't you rather somebody go to heaven, even though maybe you're embarrassed because you don't know the answer? Or would you rather not be embarrassed and that person spend eternity separated from God? We need to be inviting people to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Even in the Lord's Supper, we proclaim. And when we think about inviting people uh, to church and, and so on, we need to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we're, 
We're in an unusual situation in the church because of COVID. There are a lot of people that used to come to church that have gotten out of the habit and aren't coming back to church. And, and I would like for you to take an opportunity this week to perhaps invite some of these people to come back. Now, I know that some can't come because of health. I think of several that, that, that shouldn't be here probably or, or can't come. But there are a lot that just are not coming because, like I said, they're out of the habit or, or don't feel like it's a priority for them. So I encourage you to in, invite them. It could be somebody that used to sit around you. Tommy Huddleston was here last week. I didn't know until after the service. I'd have probably called on him. Uh, but he was here last week, and he said, people still sit in the same places. And that is very true. We, we often do that. And what I would like for you to do is think about people pre-COVID who used to sit near you, give them a call, and invite them to come to church next, next Easter Sunday morning, the next week. Uh, it, it could be people that used to be in our Sunday school life groups. It could pe- be people that used to be on ministry teams with us or that we would see at fellowships. But think about and pray about looking into calling somebody or, 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 or giving them a visit or something. Make it simple. Just call them or text them and say, we'd love to see you in church next Sunday morning for Easter. And then those who are friends of yours, co-workers and so on, uh, give them one of the cards or invite them to come next Sunday morning as well. Again, we need to do two things. Great commission. We need to in- invite. We need to say, come and see. But we also need to go and tell. Now, the reason this needs emphasis is because we're probably not doing the job that we could should. Would you agree with that? Are we as a church being as evangelistic as we should? Are we proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ as we should? I was talking to somebody the other day who was referencing somebody that spoke, that talked about an opportunity that he had to share with a famous movie star. And, and God told him two or three times to do it. He did not do it. And about two days after that, she committed suicide. You know, there are a lot of people around us that are going to spend eternity in one of two places, either heaven or in hell. And what we need to do is to be faithful. We're not responsible for their decision. We can't make anybody get saved. But we are responsible to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're responsible to proclaim the good news. So there are three things we need to do as we think about the Lord's Supper, as we look at this portion of Scripture. Ponder. Remember what Jesus did for us by dying on the cross and rising again. Recognize that we need to rely on Jesus and make sure that he's Lord of our lives. Number two, proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And then number three, we need to pray. We should pray for the lost. I remember, I don't get to visit churches very much for some reason, but I remember one time I, I was off and went and visited a church, and the person that was speaking was not the preacher, he was an athlete, and he gave his testimony. And one of the things he did when he gave his testimony is he said, I decided that I was going to pray for 10 people that needed Jesus Christ as Savior. And I believe that he said that over the course of the last year, I think he said nine of them had come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. And he was instrumental in leading quite a few of them to the Lord. And you might not want to come up with a list of, of 10 people. You might not know 10 people that need Jesus Christ, or at least you, you, you don't know for sure that they do. But I would encourage you to make up of a list of at least one, maybe three, 
maybe more, people that you can pray for that you feel need to trust Jesus Christ as Savior and commit to pray for them on a regular basis. That makes sense, does it not? Not only do we need to pray for the lost, we also need to pray for laborers. In Luke chapter 10, in verse number 1, this is what Jesus said. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know, the the harvest is there. There are people that are ready to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Some might say no, but a lot of times people will say yes. In fact, I think I read sometime, this was a while back, that the average is that you share with six people, one gets saved. What do we do? If we do share with one or two or three that don't get saved, we get discouraged and we stop sharing. And as a result, that sixth one, that one out of six, don't have opportunity to hear. So we need to pray not only for the lost, we also need to pray for laborers who are going to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ. I believe it's May 1st, we're going to hear from Rob and Angie Jackson. They're going to be sharing during the morning service. They're headed to Portugal. Um, There's another one in South Asia that we can't hear from in person for a year and a half, but we're going to try to hear from her in other ways as well. Of course, Marty and Dina come and share with us every once in a while. Uh, God has sent out some laborers, and he wants us to pray that he will send out others, not just full-time workers, though. Because you in your work or in your school or wherever you might be can make a difference for the Lord Jesus Christ. I've, I've had several people from high school come up to, say, to me and say, and I didn't know anything about it. They said, you know, it's because of you that I got saved. And that's encouraging that we can make a difference if we're faithful to live the Christian life and to share with others what Jesus Christ has done. The fact that he died, was buried, rose again so that we might have everlasting life. We need to pray for the lost, for laborers, and then we need to pray for ourselves. When when it comes to sharing the gospel, do you need prayer? I think I do. I think all of us do. In fact, Jesus said in John 15 that without him we can do nothing. So there needs to be a dependency on him, and prayer is an expression of dependency on him. It's a matter of saying to him, Lord, I'm not real good at doing this but I know that you are able. In fact, you say in your word in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Lord, I'm trusting you to enable me to effectively share the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to pray for the lost, for laborers, and for ourselves as well. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 28 Basically, it's talking about the Lord's Supper. And we're going to be participating in that in just a minute. But it's also a challenge to us to make sure that we are fishing for men. To make sure that we are proclaiming his death until he comes. Do we know when Jesus is coming back? How many of you think it's going to be soon? We don't know exactly when it's going to be, do we? Seems like it will be soon. But we do know this. That our responsibility is to proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That we're sinners, we don't deserve to go to heaven, but Jesus died on the cross and rose again so that we can go to heaven if we believe in him. Our responsibility is to proclaim that. 
And my encouragement to you during this Easter season is to do just that, to invite people to come and see and then to go and tell, to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. And this is just a little aid to do that. We have a lot to ponder because God has been good to us, has he not? There's a verse that says, Thanks be unto him for his unspeakable gift, talking about Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. We also need to make sure that we are proclaiming that to others and praying that some will come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and that he will use laborers, that he will use us to make a difference, an eternal difference in the lives of people around us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your word and for what it communicates to us. I think the, the biggest message of the, God, of the word of God is the gospel. The bad news that we're separated from you, but the good news is that we can have eternal life through Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. In just a minute, we're going to remember that as we partake of the Lord's Supper. But I pray, Lord, that we will not keep it to ourselves, that we will go out and we will share. We'll invite people to come on Easter because the gospel will be presented, but we'll also communicate with others what Jesus Christ has done for us. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen.